Welcome to Christian Life Young Adults, the podcast. You can keep up to date with everything happening at Christian Life Young Adults by following us on Instagram at Christian Life Austin YA. Check back here every Thursday for a new episode. And thank you for listening. For those of you guys who don't know, my name is Pastor Sam, um, and I am the new young adults pastor here at Christian Life. Come on. I'm here, and I'm joined by my beautiful, beautiful wife, Michaela. Give it up for my wife. She's amazing. I, I, my wife and I, since we found out, we've just been so excited, and just we've been praying for you guys since last year. We've been seeking the Lord on, on what this time could look like, what the young adults right here in Austin, Texas need. And we actually just moved here from Dallas, Texas. But I'm back home. It feels special to be here with you guys. And, and one of the things that I realized was that in the beginning stages of, of, of even us planning for this next year, back in October, one of the questions my wife and I began to ask ourselves was, what's next I think that I think this was an appropriate question for us to ask at the time. We couldn't have known that we would be moving all the way to Austin, Texas to be here with you guys to serve the young adult community right here in Austin. We couldn't have known that at the time, but it began with the question, what's next? And for some of us in the room, maybe that question elicits different emotions inside of you. Maybe when you start to think about what's next, you get worried because you're not really sure what's next. Maybe you get anxious when you think the words, what's next, or the question is asked to you. Maybe you get a little bit overwhelmed because you know what's next might be a lot on your plate. I don't know how you feel, but what my prayer is, is that over the next several weeks as we're unpacking this question, as we're unpacking the move of God that's taking place on the inside of each and every one of your lives, that you would come out of it confidently. And when we ask the question, what's next, you would be able to know in your heart of hearts that you can answer confidently and boldly, and you wouldn't feel anxious and you wouldn't feel worried. I believe this is one of the tricks of the enemy. He wants us worried about our future. He wants us anxious about your future so you never think about it. So you're always coping and always running away from your future. But, but I believe that right now is the time to begin to ask this question right here. What is What's next? What's next? For my wife and I, like I said, we've been asking this question in a deep way, but also in a very lighthearted way. We've been asking what's next since we've been here in Austin. We've had the opportunity to, to visit restaurants. Like what's the next restaurant that we want to visit? We've, we've been able to visit uh, uh, coffee and, and all the different places. Any of your suggestions, just send them my way. Pull me aside. Say, hey, this place has the best tacos. This place has the best sushi. Whatever it is, best shopping, whatever it is, we've just been exploring. And it's been a lot of fun for my wife and I to just go on adventures and be able to explore. It's been tons of fun, tons of fun. One of the things that we've been exploring is, is different gyms. I don't know if anybody here goes to the gym. I don't typically get up and be like, oh, yeah, I go to the gym. And I'm just like, I just want to be healthy, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to be some jack guy at the gym like Connor over here. Man, if you've been to the gym with Connor, you know this guy, he lifts big. I, I can't lift like him. But here's the deal. I, 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 I've been going to several different gyms on this free pass. Hey, how many of y'all like, like free stuff? I love me some free stuff. I tell you right now, we've been going to these gyms for free and trying out these different classes. Most of them have been pretty fun. They've been pretty, 
pretty exciting. She's laughing over here. We've seen some pretty crazy stuff over the several different classes that we've gone to. Some of these classes, honestly, the attire that you have to wear there is more expensive than the actual class itself. Like they have, they have the Lululemon and they got the Gymshark and they got all the clothes on. And Michaela and I are showing up in mismatched shorts and a shirt. And we're like, okay, we got to go, go get us some, some, some new clothes so we can look good when we go to the gym. But today, this morning, we decided to try out a new gym. It was not one of those kinds of gyms. It wasn't a bougie gym at all. No, it wasn't a bougie gym. It was actually pretty run down, and it smelled like it probably hadn't been renovated since the 90s, to be honest with you. I, I, legitimately, the only thing that was new in the place was the equipment. To be honest, there was tons of old people there as well. I was kind of confused. I was like, what kind of gym did we show up to? I didn't know what we were doing. And so we get there, and the kind lady named Daniela. I mean, you got to know people's names, man. You got to ask them what their names are. Daniela says, hey, go on to the very back. And, and your class will be in the back. And so we go to the very back corner of, of this gym, which is, once again, a little bit creepy. It's just in this back, random back, like, I don't even know, room. It's a small, medium-sized room, and it's completely dark in there. And, and we're walking up, and we're approaching. And obviously, every single gym, it's the house music. It's like, you're walking in, and it's like, ah, it's like on 10. But we walk in, and the sound isn't quite there. It's almost like they have, like, a JBL speaker in the room. I'm like, man, this, I was, I was like, this ain't it. This ain't it. I'm not going to lie to you. We get in there at 6 a.m. in the morning. There's probably six people total, and none of them look excited to be there. To be honest, how could you be excited going to the gym? It hurts. People who walk into the gym smiling, I'm like, what are you doing, man? It's not time to smile. This is going to hurt. But anyways, everyone at the gym just seems like they're drab, seems like they're really dreading what's about to take place. So my, my wife and I walk in. You know, We're just kind of getting stuff ready, getting our mats laid down and everything else. But here's the one thing that's consistent across all the gym workouts. There's always the most eclectic, most energized coach on the stage right in front of you. Like, come on. They got like a, a headpiece that's coming around right here, like Backstreet Boys. And they're like, come on, push it a little bit harder. Let's run a little bit faster. Like they're going in. They're motivating you. And, and I see this guy. He's on the stage, this makeshift stage, probably maybe even six inches off of the ground. It's not even a big stage or anything else. And he's like, come on, guys, push it a little bit harder. And everyone in the room is just like, half doing it like right here just like man hitting the curls right here he's like come on man he's got the energy the whole entire time he's like all right we're going here next hey we're going into squats work those glutes out kick your legs oh he's going in man and honestly I was like I'm kind of here for it I was like that's what's up it was a good workout it's a pretty good workout but in the moment I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself I wonder if this is how God is when he speaks to us I wonder if he's looking out at a group of people and he's saying, come on, it's time to go. I've got a place for you. I've already prepared a place for you. I have promises for you. There's a next place for you. I wonder if we're the ones like the gym, just like, ah, oh, maybe. Oh, I mean, I'm just kind of here. I already kind of got, I already kind of got my own plans. I've already got what I want to do. And God's like, no, listen, I prepared a place for you. It's going to be amazing. The plans that I have for you are ones that are filled with hope. They're not to harm you. And we're like, ah, oh, okay, we'll come to church and clap a little bit. We'll come to the young adult service. We'll slide in, we'll slide out. But I believe that I'm in front of a group of people who are saying, God, where do you want to go next? Wherever you want to go next. You want to go up, we'll go up. If you want to go down, we'll go down. You want us to run, we'll run. You want us to go over there and speak to them, I'll go over there and speak to them. I'm wondering if I'm speaking to a group of young adults who have that kind of fire on the inside of them, who are not just bystanders, but we're actually in the game. What's next is the question. 
I want to take a look at an individual who we can find in the scriptures by the name of Moses. We'll be in Exodus chapter 2. You guys can begin to turn there. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. I love Moses because each of us in some kind of a way can relate to Moses. We, we find ourselves within the story of Moses. For some of the people who are here today who have read the story of Moses, know the story of Moses, whether you believe in Jesus or not, most people know the story of Moses. And I believe that we can find ourselves with, within the story of Moses. And I think Moses is such a great example of following God. There were moments in Moses' life where he said, I won't go unless your presence goes. There were moments in which Moses had to stop and be still and wait for the Lord. And he's just such a great example of what it looks like to actually follow God, to follow his presence. We find Moses in the heat of it, though. Moses is a Hebrew, but he was raised in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace, in an evil and dark time. And, and when he grew up, this is where we begin our story. I believe this is, this is the perfect place for us to begin today. It's Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. One of the things that scholars and studiers of the Bible can all agree on is that this moment right here shows us about Moses. That Moses is a gangster. Like straight up, we find Moses over here. He's walking up. He's like, hey, man, that ain't right. He got his toolie on him right here. He's like, ah, ga, 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 ga. Man, I don't even know if that's appropriate to do on a stage. But here's the deal. He goes in. He kills an Egyptian. Here's the deal. This is how you know he's a gangster. Gangster, not gangster. Let's just get it right. He's, this is how you know he's a gangster. As he looks to the left and right, he's like, are there any ops out there? Are there any cops? The 5 here? He's like, all right, all right, nobody here. Ga, 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 ga. And then on top of that, he doesn't just stop right there. He, he buries this man. In the, like this, is, this is a movie, guys. Like this is the kind of stuff you see in TV shows. He buries a man, puts him in the, the ground so nobody even knows. Like nobody's going to ask, where's Bill today? He didn't come home from work. I don't know. His arm's sticking out of the sand just like, I'm like, what? Moses is a gangster, man. It's almost like he had done this before. I don't know. But, 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 but then what happens after this? is people start to talk about it. They start to figure out Moses is a murderer. Then word gets to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh comes after Moses, and, and Moses is, is forced to flee. He's forced to, to run away and run through the desert, to, and he finds himself in Midian. Some would call it the wilderness. He, he's forced to run away to be in isolation. What I've come to realize about my life is that in moments where I experience great shame, my first resort is isolation. When I mess up, it seems like I, I just kind of creep back into the corner. I don't pick up my phone as much. I don't come around people as much. It seems like whenever I make the worst decisions of my life, I tend to want to run away and be in isolation, just like Moses did in this moment right now. He flees and he runs away into isolation. But Moses has a decision to make. Moses has a powerful decision to make right here and right now that would change the rest of his life. 
And so Moses finds himself living in Midian. He finds a wife, has a couple kids, gets a job. He lives there for a while. And we fast forward to verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's just pause here for a second. For those of you guys who think that God has forgotten about you, he has not forgotten about you. For those of you who feel like you're in bondage, for those who feel like you're going through the worst season of your life, for those of you who feel like, I don't know where to go next, God, are you hearing me? He hears you. He has not forgotten you. And the moment that you begin to think that our God, the God of the universe, has forgotten you, look up to him because here's what the scriptures say. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to you when you're crying. He knows your innermost thoughts. He knows your innermost beings. That's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a gracious God. He loves us so well, and he's concerned for us. The scriptures say it. God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. He's concerned about you. He cares for you. He sees you. You're not forgotten. He has a plan. He has a next for you. And Moses was a part of that. One of the revelations that I found right here in this portion of the scriptures is, is that Moses would go on to be the, the, the tool that, that delivered God's people. He would go on to be the instrument that led them into freedom, into their promised land. He would go on to be that individual, that person. And what I realized was that, and this is something that, that I've seen play out in my life, is that what God has for me next will always draw me closer to the heart of God and to the people of God. What God has for me next will always draw me closer to the heart of God and to the people of God. Right here, God is in pain. He's saddened. He's concerned for his people. His heart is broken. Some of you guys, there's things that have been placed inside of your heart that just make you feel some kind of a way. There's just things inside of your heart that when you see it, you grieve. There's just things inside of your heart that when you see it, you just feel like something has to change. You're the change. You're it. If it's concerning you, if it's on your heart, if it's on your mind, this is the easiest way of being able to know what God might have for you next is listen to your heart. Because it might mean that God's heart is hurting too. And the second one, which might be a little bit harder for us, is that what's next for us always draws us closer to the people of God. If you thought that you were going to take the next step in your journey and go deeper in your relationship with God, but you were going to step away from people, you're wrong. If you're in a place right now and you're saying, God, what do I do next? But you're not wanting to draw near to the people of God. You're not wanting to be an answer to the people of God. You're not wanting to show up for the people of God. Don't expect for him to tell you where to go. Don't expect for him to tell you this is what's next in your life. If you thought that you could live your life in isolation, and here's the deal. Some of us have experienced some of the most evil things that man could do. Some of us have been so disappointed by what people have done to us. Some of us have experienced people making promises and breaking those promises. And I'll be the first to tell you guys that people are hard. But if you want to know what God has next for you, he'll always draw you closer to his people. And that's exactly what Moses is about to figure out right here. Come along with me in this. Exodus chapter 3. It's my favorite part. 
This is where we'll camp out for the night. Exodus chapter 3, Moses is out tending the sheep, doing his job, doing his duties. In verse 2, it says this, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, the burning bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Moses thought. This is the beginning of what's next for him. This is the beginning of it right here. This is the decision that's going to be made. This decision right here for him to think. You thought that word was just up there. You just thought, oh, he just thought about it. No, 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 no. This was the beginning of it because he thought about it, which led to action. And that moment right then and there, he made a decision to step towards the presence of God. He had been running for so long. And some of you have been running for so long. And it's about time that you take a step towards the presence of God. And he steps towards the presence of God. And get this, this is even, this is even more special about the scripture. God doesn't speak to him until he steps towards him. Some of y'all are like, man, God ain't speaking to me. He ain't said nothing to me in a while. I've been calling him. He ain't picking up. Well, start moving your feet. Start stepping towards his presence. Don't think you can step in and out of his presence and still get his voice. I'm in it one second. I'm out of it. I'm in it one second. I'm out of it. How about you choose to just step into the presence of God and watch how he'll speak to you. And right here, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over, when, after he had saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. It all began with one step. If you want to know what God has for you, just take one step. That's the first thing you need to know tonight. Here's what the enemy would love to do. The enemy would love for you to get so caught up on all the 20, 30 steps you got to take. The enemy's like, man, get caught up on those things because then you'll never take one step. Ah, man, I got so many things I got to do in my life. Man, I just got to get my whole entire life together. No, 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 no. That's not what God wants at all. All God wants to see you do is just take one step. Because what Moses didn't know was that that one step would turn into one more. And it would turn into one more. And one step towards the presence of God would turn to him hearing the voice of God. And another step towards the presence of God. And it would turn into him delivering God's people. And another step towards the presence of God. And it would turn into him seeing the most miraculous things that are documented in all of the scriptures. But it just started with one step. Some of you guys get so defeated. You're like, I got so many steps to take. Just take one step towards the presence of God. You know what paralyzes us? Shame. That's what, that's what stops you from taking a step. Shame. It comes on you. And you begin to think, well, I just can't anymore. Well, I just can't take a step. Well, look at my past. Look at what I've done. Look at where I've been from. Look at the things I've said. Look at the way that I've hurt people. These are the things that start going through our heads. And what it does is it paralyzes us. And we can't move anymore. I know a little bit about it. For several, several months, I'd say, I would wake up every single morning and my mind would be flooded with shameful thoughts. My mind would be flooded with thoughts about what I had done, how I had messed up, how I wasn't good enough, 
how I had sinned the day before, my mind would just wake up and it would automatically go to it. I could have done nothing wrong the day before, but every single time that I woke up in the morning, my mind would be just flooded with all the ways that I wasn't good enough. Holy Spirit. I just want to pray real quick. Hold up. Holy Spirit, I'm praying for the one in this room right now whose shame has overtaken them for the last time. Uh, I'm praying for the person in this room who feels so overwhelmed by shame right now. I'm praying for the person in this room who feels like they can't escape their shame. They just seem like they wake up every single day and they're constantly replaying over and over and over all of their mess-ups and how they're not good enough and all of the things that people have said about them. Holy Spirit, right now, I would cast out every single lie that the enemy is trying to speak over his people. There's no room for it. Today, you got to go, Satan. There's no room for your words over our people. Holy Spirit, would someone just take a step today? In your name we pray. Lean over to your neighbor and say, take one step. As soon as Moses takes a step and he finds himself right there, face to face with this burning bush, which is completely impossible. We read this stuff like, oh, man, it's no big deal. It's just a burning bush. No, that's completely impossible. And he sees uh, just a strand of impossible things that take place from his staff turning into a snake and his hand shriveling up. He sees all of these impossible things. And we all know what Moses' response is. Well, I just, I, I just can't do it, God. I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just can't speak. I, I just can't get the words. I, I, I can't go back. He automatically goes back to what he cannot do. He automatically goes back to all of the things that he's done wrong. Here's the second thing you need to do if you're going to step into what's next for you. Get used to the impossible. Get used to the impossible. I think what was happening in this moment was that God was preparing Moses for the impossible. Moses hadn't seen a miracle yet. And now he's standing face to face with a burning bush. And now he's seeing his staff turn into a snake. He says, get used to the impossible. But the whole entire time, his mind is going back to how he can't do it. Because so many of us are wanting to step into what God has for us next. But you know where our our eyes are at? In the rearview mirror. So many of us are like, oh, yes, God, tell me what to do next. Tell me who my future partner is going to be. Tell me what my next job is going to be. But the whole entire time, our eyes are in the rearview mirror, and we're just going around in circles and circles and circles because our eyes are focused on our past. And so, therefore, we can't even step into what God has for us in the future. Your past will always operate in the opposite direction of your faith. Your past will always operate in the opposite direction. Well, that's not possible. There's no way that that could actually happen. But here's the deal. Moses is talking to a God who does the impossible. And he's sitting here talking about, well, I can't speak. Well, I'm not good enough. You're talking to a God who does the impossible. Get used to the impossible. I want you to know, you'll see the impossible here at Christian Life. We're going to see the impossible right here in this room. It's going to be normal for us to see the impossible. It's going to be normal for us to see healing. It's going to be normal for us to receive a word from God. It's going to be normal for people to receive a vision right in the middle of this. And like, whoa, where did that vision come, come from? And you just have to pull out your notes and just start writing down the vision because God is giving you a vision. It's going to become normal for us to see the impossible. People who thought that they were dead and they couldn't be freed from their addictions, walking out of here free from their addictions. 
Let's just get used to it. And maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're like, man, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if I believe in all that. Just hang around a little bit. Just hang around a little bit. That's all I say. Start seeing miracles take place in people's lives and then watch how your spirit starts yearning and wanting miracles, not only to happen to you, but to happen through you. This space right here is not a place for us to come and just stay. This is a place for us to come and then be sent out. The world needs what you have on the inside of you. The world needs all of your giftings. The world needs all of your anointing. The, the, the world needs all that God has given to you. It's not about coming in. It's about going out. We're going to be equipped here. And you'll see the miracles happen with your coworkers who didn't believe miracles could happen. And you'll say, Sam, miracles were happening. I told you they would happen. Watch and see. Finally, the last thing I believe we have to do as I'm coming to a close, it's a concept that you have to understand that I feel like God has been working out in my wife and I's life for probably the last three years, is you have to understand that nothing is ever wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. Your past is not a waste. Your mistakes are not a waste. You dropping out of college wasn't a waste. Your dad leaving you when you were a kid is not a waste. All of it. What it does is it reminds us of the scripture and of the promise that God works everything for the good of those who love him. It reminds us that even in the worst of the worst, even in the places where we've been from, God is wanting to use it. You know one key revelation, and I'm done. One key piece of revelation that I received as I was reading the scriptures about Moses is that Moses' character... And the attributes remain the same. I believe that, that Moses was a defender. See, see, in one aspect, we began this journey. We began our time in scriptures. And Moses was defending his people. But the outcome of it was death. And as we come to the end of this portion, and as we'll see, as you continue reading the story in the life of Moses, is that now Moses will defend God's people. And it will lead to life. See, there are things that are on the inside of you that the enemy has used for evil in the past. There are things that are on the inside of you that you thought could only be used for evil in the past. But God is saying, hold up, but I'm the one that turns it all around. I'm the one that takes what is broken and I mend it together and I make it fixed. I'm the one that takes something that was ugly and I make it beautiful. I'm the one that takes someone who's down and lifts him up. This is our God. This is the one that we're serving. So I care what you've been through because God's going to redeem it. I don't care what you've been through because it's holding you back. Your past, see it this way, all of your past is the paints on a canvas for a beautiful story that you haven't seen the end of yet. All of the flaws and all the areas that you thought were just a mess and were just an accident. When you take a look back at it and you see it from the perspective of the God of the universe, he's looking at you and he's not looking at you like a messed up piece of art. He's saying, oh, that's what makes you so beautiful. That's what makes you my son. That's what makes you the one in whom I'm, I'm in love with.